The show Dirty Jobs, which airs on the Discovery Channel, profiles unsung American laborers who make their living in the most unthinkable yet vital ways. Does anybody watch this show? A few, okay, like two. I'll tell you about it. Each week, the host of the show introduces the viewing audience to men and women who overcome fear, danger, and sometimes stench and overall ickiness to accomplish their daily tasks. From rattlesnake catchers to fish processors, bee removers, septic tank technicians, Dirty Jobs exposes us to people doing jobs that range from unpleasant to downright disgusting. I suppose a show like this is successful because while most of us don't want to do these jobs, it reminds us that somebody is doing them for us. And for 60 minutes, we can either fantasize about what it's like to do these jobs, thank God that we don't have to do them, or if you are one of the people doing them, finally feel thanked for an otherwise thankless role. Whether or not you've seen the show, you're probably familiar with the concept of dirty work. Dirty work describes the work that is unpleasant but necessary to make life easier, safer, and often cleaner for other people. In today's text, we encounter Naaman in 2 Kings. Naaman is a general in the king of Aram's army. Naaman is a powerful man. He's a man with access and means, but he's sent to do some dirty work. Naaman had leprosy. Now, my guess is that his case wasn't very severe or obvious to many people, because if it were, he would have been ostracized and unable to gain the social standing that he had. Maybe he had just a few patches here and there, like eczema or psoriasis. But with my theological imagination, I see Naaman's case getting worse by the day. He's noticing that the patches on his arms and legs are slowly getting bigger. How long would his uniform cover his sores? How long could he mask what was happening to his body? I want to pause here and say that Naaman, like many of us, seemed to have it all together on the outside. But he harbored a dirty little secret. Some of us can relate. We live a fabulous lifestyle, but we're crippled under the weight of overwhelming debt. We have an impressive job, but addiction is slowly corroding our ability to perform it. We appear to be the picture-perfect family, but an affair threatens to tear our home apart. Like Naaman, we find ourselves at a crossroads. We must either confront our secret to be healed from it, or continue to hide as it imperils our very existence. Naaman chose to be healed, so he traveled to the king of Israel requesting that healing. When Naaman came to the king, the king of Israel was distraught. He tore his clothes and said, Am I God to give life or death? In other words, Naaman is asking, What can I do? 
I don't have the power to cure this man of leprosy. The king of Israel can't fathom that he would have the resources to help Naaman. And in that moment, he sees himself as so powerless, so resourceless, that he thinks that this must be the king of Aram's way of starting a war with him. Have any of you ever felt this powerless? I have. Watching the news this past Friday, I learned that on Thursday night, over 57,000 people slept in homeless shelters in New York City. 22,000 of them were children. That number doesn't include people who slept on the street or in the subway station or on the train. I was overwhelmed by that number. And that's just one issue in one city and the whole entire world. When I think about all that is wrong in the world, homelessness, starvation, racial injustice, all the isms that you can imagine, I sometimes feel so small and powerless. Am I God? What can I possibly do? In those times that we feel inadequate to address big problems, it's tempting to throw up our hands and withdraw from the world. But when we remember that God throughout history has used ordinary people, then we become empowered. And in this story, God used Elisha, the prophet, to demonstrate that God was still at work. When the king of Israel wanted to give up, Elisha stepped up. He came in as God's messenger and he instructed Naaman to go and wash in the Jordan River. And then this is where the plot thickens. Because Naaman, who's powerful and respected and has access to the king, doesn't want to do that. Naaman had his own ideas about how his healing should take place. Naaman wanted a miraculous, instantaneous healing. But instead, Elisha sent Naaman to bathe in the Jordan River. The Jordan River was not a place where one would naturally be drawn to bathe. The Jordan River is murky and muddy and has snakes. Some members of our congregation recently returned and can attest to it. And while for us now it contains spiritual significance, for Naaman it would not have been so. It would have just been another dirty river. He even complains to his servants saying, there are cleaner rivers in our hometown. Why would I bathe in the Jordan? In his mind, a better solution to his problem would be for Elisha to come out of his home, wave his hand over him, and he'd be healed. But that's not what happens. Elisha sent Naaman away to do some dirty work. In our lives, we come to God with our brokenness or the brokenness of the world, and we have our own ideas about how God should mend and restore the brokenness. We want God to touch our families, to heal our bodies, to mend our broken hearts. We want God to put an end to war, to stop gang violence, to end all of the isms that divide us. 
We're waiting on God to move from on high and wave her hand over the cosmos, sprinkling a bit of holy dust. But that's now how, not how God heals the world. God is waiting on us to get our hands dirty, to roll up our sleeves and do the dirty work. But God isn't going to send us out to do something that God won't do. God began the tradition of dirty work at the beginning of creation. When God made humanity, God reached down into the dust of the ground and formed us out of the earth. In the person of Jesus, God healed a blind man by spitting into the dirt, reaching down and picking up that mud, wiping it on the man's eyes so that he could receive his sight. When a woman was caught in the act of adultery, Jesus bent down into the dirt, writing something in the sand, and the crowd was dispersed. God is not above the dirty work, but God is calling you and me to join in the dirty work. And dirty work is more than thinking positive thoughts. It's not enough to hear stories about the state of our world and say, oh, that's terrible. Yes, sympathy, sympathy and empathy are important, but we also have to do the work. We have to show up for our brothers and sisters who are the lost and the least. We're called to involve ourselves in the issues and politics of the day. We have to advocate on behalf of those whose voices can't be heard, those who need housing or food, those trapped in poverty. We are called to go into the so-called dirty places of the world. And we don't just show up one time. Elisha told Naaman to go and bathe in the Jordan River seven times. Not once, not twice, seven Naaman had to commit to this work in order to receive his healing. And I can see Naaman now treading into the murky water, wondering how this river could make him whole. I can see him emerging the first time out of the water with spots of leprosy still on his skin. He went back again a second time and bathed once more, but still no change. Naaman went back a third time and immersed himself in the water as Elijah told him. But as he came up, he found that he still had leprosy. He went back a fourth time and a fifth time and a sixth time and still no change. But even then, Naaman went back one more time. I can see him dipping down into the river giving it all he has because it seems to be his last try. And this time, when he came up, something was different. The Bible tells us that his skin was refreshed and renewed like that of a young boy. Where I grew up, we might say something like, he looked at his hands and they looked new. He looked at his feet and they did too. And not only was Naaman changed on the outside, 
but something happened to him on the inside. If we read one verse beyond today's passage, we learn that Naaman was not only restored in health, but he had a conversion experience. Somewhere, somehow, as Naaman was doing the dirty work, he had an encounter with the holy. We, too, might have to keep working until a change comes. Sometimes it feels like we're fighting the same battles over and over, like we're doing the dirty work and nothing is happening. But we have to keep working. Life is going to hand us some dirty things. But when we are seemingly making progress on LGBT rights and issues, and then someone goes into a club and kills 50 people, we're tempted to give up, but keep doing the dirty work. And when racial tension seems to grow and it's difficult for us to say that black lives matter, keep doing the dirty work. When the homeless population in the city is on the rise and we hear staggering statistics of thousands of people being without a home, keep doing the dirty work. When terrorist attacks in Turkey, Bangladesh, and other parts of the world mean to make us retreat into our homes in fear, keep doing the dirty work. When it feels like what we do at sharing table doesn't even make a dent in the problems of the world, keep doing the dirty work. And one day, we'll find that all of our work, all of our efforts, all of our prayers, all of our witness will bring forth the change that we've been waiting on.